Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hello, welcome to Utopia Terrier. Stephen Chicken here. Delighted to be the favourite podcast host of the electrician that's just been working on Dave's house, who would particularly like my wrestling references, so I can only assume it was Thurman Sparky Plug, later known as Bob Sparkplug Holly, later known as Bodacious Bob, later known as Hardcore Holly, which is probably how most listeners will know him. How are you doing, Dave? Well, I'm annoyed. I'm very annoyed. The electrician came and said, ah, I think you do town stuff. I really like Stephen Chicken on that podcast, and I like his wrestling references. <laughs> so abs- I'm absolutely bubbling. The implication being, they don't like you. Yeah, yeah, absolutely bubbling, to be brutally honest with you. But uh, yeah, I filed a complaint with British Gas, so uh, I'll let you know how that turns out. Lovely. And while we're shouting out fans, big thank you to everyone who came down to the live show last week at Magic Rock. Uh, and particular thanks to, to the lads from Andy Takes That Chance because, including behind the scenes, Dave and I basically did nothing except turn up on the night. Um, they, they took care of all of the organisation and everything like that. So I know particularly Matt and Brady were, were very active in, in putting that show together. Uh, but obviously everyone that came down, Matt Glennon, Phil Senior, uh, Cozzy, Pozza, Johnny, everyone that that came down, I'm sure I've missed someone there and they're going to be grossly offended, but we had a great night. We're not going to put it on the live feed, on the podcast feed here, as I said last week, uh, simply because there's too much swearing in it. And for a Reach PLC podcast, it would need to be non-explicit and it would take me hours to go through and take everything out. So if you want to listen to it, head over to the Andy Takes That Chance podcast feed or look on their YouTube, because we recorded it as a video mm-hmm. as well. Uh, a good time was had by all, Dave. Yeah, it was It was lovely. It was great to see so many people come down there. It was great to have so many questions for the Q&A. It was, it was a good night, and it feels like it's probably going to become an annual thing. So if you missed out this year, you will get a chance next year. And um, everybody was on scintillating form, I thought. But I listened to the audio myself, actually, not out of vanity. But when you're there... Um, you can't really remember half of what was said because <laughs> you're you're sort of part of the conversation. I actually listened back to it and I really enjoyed it myself, even though I was part of it. <laughs> Particularly enjoyed your bits. I like it when you listen to an old podcast or read an old article and go, that, that was quite funny about something you said or wrote. Yeah, fun. It, it's right. Just to clarify something, it's Tom Lee's 316. Is that another wrestling yeah. reference you slipped in? Yeah. Oh, yeah. You're an awful it's possible. It, it's possibly the most famous wrestling catchphrase of all time. Just to you know, I've never heard just of to it. Give everyone. A- I've only it's- ever seen it on banners in football grounds John 316 well that's what it was a playoff it was Stone Cold Steve Austin and he beat the religious zealot Jake the Snake Roberts to win King of the Ring and then cut a pro anyway probably the most famous promo in all of wrestling but we'll, we'll move past this 
because we've got to talk about transfers at Huddersfield Town. That's the purpose of today's podcast. So I think we're going to be on sort of an irregular podcast schedule over the summer, as you've probably come to expect. There probably isn't an hour's worth of content every week throughout this this summer window. Nearly said January window there. Uh, throughout this summer transfer window. But we'll obviously need to check in every now and then. And at this early stage, I think we can we can talk about how the transfer window is unfolding, how it looks like it's going to unfold. There's been obviously multiple players released. We discussed that last time we did a full podcast, so we won't dwell on on them any further, I think, because we, we had our say on all of them at the time. But I'm sure they'll come up as we talk through the various ins that town need. As we're recording this, Pippa is out in Greece and is negotiating a deal to move to Olympiacos. We're expecting that that to come through basically any moment now, unless there's some late hiccup. So if that's fallen through by the time you're listening to this, um, as we're recording it, it all looks like it's it's going to go through and we're just waiting for confirmation at this point. So we'll start there, Dave. I mean, how big a loss do you think Pippa would be to this sort of Shield Town side? Uh, not at all. <laughs> I, I, it's not. I'm not denigrating Pippa when I say that, but he's not been the same player since he came back from injury. Town have evolved to play a different way, and they have loads of options on that side. They have um, Ollie Turton who can play there. They have Sorba Thomas who can play as a wing back. They have Aaron Rowe. Aaron Rowe who could have a full pre-season and have a proper go at trying to secure that spot. They've got the likes of a Brody Spencer who they could look at promoting. They've got loads of options and it's it's the one area where you look, look at and you think, okay, uh, if someone's going to go, that's absolutely fine. They've even got Romani Edmonds-Green who's played as a right back. So now and then, it, I'm not. I'm not they, convinced on that one. But I think if you absolutely needed someone in an emergency, he's shown that he can do it, hasn't he? Yeah. This, but this is what I mean. We've we've got five players there who can all, who range from are good there or can do a job. So, uh, to if if you're going to lose one of the six options you've got, it's very difficult to get too upset about that. And. Yeah, I don't think he has been the same player since he came back from his injury. I think there are reasons for that. Um, but it, he's driven us mad a couple of times this season, let's be honest, Steve. The, the Nottingham Forest game where he decided to play five minutes as a centre-forward. Um, there's been other games where he's been quite loose with his interpretation of <laughs> his position, shall we say. And even, I think it's just... He was picked for the playoff final, and I actually thought he played all right in that game because he was pretty disciplined and he'd clearly been fitted with an anchor for the game, so that he wasn't going to go wandering. But I, I just, I can't, I can't get too excited about him going because they just do have so many options to look at. I thought he was fine defensively in the playoff final. I, I thought he offered absolutely nothing otherwise. Yeah, I mean truth, that that shot, I mean, that shot, unfortunately, is going to be his sort of part in legacy, isn't it? I, I think it's a shame in in, in a way because I think we would have backed him to sort of if he'd knuckled down in pre-season then I think we would have backed him to come back as as a better player but you know I think he he seemed quite keen on this move mm. uh as we you know when Sporting came in last year I believe he was keen on that as well um so you know I think obviously as as I think I've written 
no lad growing up in Catalonia dreams of growing up and playing for Huddersfield Town in the championship with the greatest of respect. Um, this was always going to be a career move for him. And if the money is right, and it, it seems like Town knocked back at an initial bid and, and then Piarcas have come back with an improved bid. So money must be right. And as you say, the you know, I don't think... I don't think many people would have had him as their first choice right back going into next season in any case. I, I even wonder whether he would have started in that playoff final if Oli Turton hadn't got that injury in the in the first leg of the semi-final, which then forced him out of the, the second leg. He only started six league games before the playoffs last season as well. And I think, you know, when you look through raw minutes, contribution, he's probably one of the players they can most afford to sell, uh, who they're actually going to get a bid and a, and a fee for. And if he wants to go, then fine, really. So I'm not sure that Pippard particularly needs replacing either, as you say. They're already quite well stocked in that area. And I think Brody Spencer's definitely at very least worth looking at in pre-season. I'd expect him to, to maybe get a few minutes over the course of the season as well. But there are other areas where they, they might need someone. So we'll go through position by position, I think, and talk about whether they need anyone, what they need, run the rule over all of it. We'll start with the goalkeepers because I think this is a tap-in, Dave. Mm. Uh, Lee Nichols is is going to be number one next season, of course. Jamal Blackman's gone. Ryan Schofield, I wouldn't be that surprised if they sent him out on loan because I think at this point he needs minutes, doesn't he? He needs to play. He needs to play in front of a crowd that isn't a Huddersfield Town crowd, I would say is the, the yeah, honest answer that's the there. Thing. It, he's just, his confidence Fresh is start. shot and he needs uh, he needs to go and play somewhere 30 games, doesn't he, and get five or six clean sheets and play well in a few. That's it. So you're probably looking at Nick Pilokopic as your backup option as it stands. I don't think they've any particular intentions of signing a new goalkeeper. Goalkeepers are easy, as you say, because you can you can get emergency loans, you can get free agents. You're unlikely to need them um, at any point. You know, I think Lee Nichols only missed games last season. I think he missed was it two because of COVID, and then was rested for a couple in the cups and and against Bristol City on the final day. Otherwise, he played every minute. So, I think no particular urgency there. I think barely even a discussion to be had there. We talked about the right back as well. Centre backs is an interesting one, though. Mm. So, this is the area where they've lost the most of their minutes from from last season. I, I went through yesterday and worked out how many minutes each player played last season. Well, I, I had already worked that out. I didn't sit and do that. Um, but um, how many minutes everyone's played and how many minutes from each position they've they've lost? And between Levi Colwell and Nabi Saar, they've lost over. Four and a half, well, nearly four and a half thousand minutes there. Um, but they've still got Tom Lees and Matty Pearson. They've got Romani Edmonds Green back on loan from from Rotherham, or you know what I mean by that. And they've got uh, Will Boyle has come in, the, the first signing of the summer. Four centre backs then, same as last season, Dave, albeit three right footers and one left footer now rather than two of each. What what do you think of their centre back setup at the moment? Um, the first point I'd make is I think you also have to include Jonathan Hogg in that uh, mix yeah, now. That's true um, because I th- I think it's likely you you could see when Town Player Three next season. I think Hoggy will be in there. Um, I we both think the squad at the moment is looking like they're going to play a four more than they have done. Um, but yeah, when they do go to a three, I think Hoggy will be the one who drops in. I think there is an argument that maybe a left foot are short, but the problem is left-footed centre-backs do come at a bit of a premium. 
and um you know they they've coped haven't they do you know what i mean we can't you can't really knock them defensively last season in any way so if they're comfortable running with that, then I think we'd just say, yeah, absolutely fine. Yeah, Ollie Turton can also drop in there if you were mm. playing a wing back. If you had, you know, a row or a um, or a Silver Thomas playing at wing back, you could have Ollie Turton playing at centre back, which he did a few times last season, including in a few big games, and, and did well there. So, yeah, I think I think they are well covered, and I think if you were sort of plotting. If money was no object and you were building the perfect mm. Carlos Gorbrand squad, I think probably you would have another left yeah. footer there. But I think it's a matter of prioritisation. Um, from what I gather, I think they're, they're not looking to add another centre-back at this stage, from what I can tell. And I think mm. it's... I think it is just we think that money can be better spent and we'll get more of a return um, by concentrating on on attacking positions instead, which I can understand. I mean, particularly if they are looking at playing a four, we don't know. I think pre-season is going to be really interesting. Mm. I, my hunch is that they are. My hunch is that Corbrand will want to get back to that four-three-three. I think, um, but I'm sort of. I'm sort of basing that on nothing in truth other than <laughs> that was his preferred system in his first season and you know he 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 didn't play it much last season but they ended up playing 3-4-3 a lot in the first half of the season basically because they tried it for personnel reasons when the mm-hmm. covid um hit the squad and it worked so they stuck with it and then second half of the season they were adapting game by game i think it will be interesting to see what they do tactically next season whether they go to a more we want to play our own way and i think mm-hmm. if they do do that then 4-3-3 seems the most likely candidate so i think i mean i would looking at that expect it to be Lees and Pearson would start as the as the pairing and then you've got Edwin Screen and, and Boyle as backup. I don't think we've really spoken about Will Boyle. What what do you make of that signing? I think it's a very solid, unspectacular, but completely makes sense on a lot of uh <laughs> on a lot of level signing. It feels like a very last summer signing, you know, when these players were coming mm. and everybody was slightly underwhelmed, but they sort of made a bit of sense on paper, and that turned out all right, didn't it? <laughs> so I think the the two things I'd say on Boyle is that I I think one his character seems to be one that comes and fits straight into that Huddersfield Town squad, which is in, incredibly yeah. important in terms of their recruitment structure, and two. If you look at a lot of the the scouting and if you look at a lot of the stats, he does not quite mirror Nabisar, but he's not he's not a million miles away. Um, and in terms of you know, I, well, this is pure speculation, but I would have thought he'd be on probably about a third of the wages that Nabisar was. So you can really you can take that slight sacrifice in a couple of areas to to fill that squad. Hole, I would say. Can I just give you my formation hot take? Yes. I think uh, he will go for a four-four-two with a diamond in midfield. That is my Ooh. hot take. I, I just, I think uh, they, they need to get that creator in, and we, we believe they are trying and looking at that sort of player. And I think the four-two-three-one. I think we both agreed that. Corbrand's just not much of a fan of that system, is he? I don't think he particularly no. likes it. He's, he's played it a handful of times, but the times he's played it are usually been when there's been like an injury crisis mm. or like he played it a bit uh, when they brought that Yaya Sonogo period. Mm. Like they played it a bit then. They played it against Fulham and they played it against Barnsley last season. And that's and they played it. To be fair, they chose to play it against Birmingham, but that was a specific tactical 
Yeah. Yeah, so I just my hunch is they go for a four four two, and as I said, they play as a diamond. So you have one sitting and one almost playing as a ten, but basically just a forward thinking eight. Um, but I I'm only basing that on I think he was quite sold on the idea of playing a two up front last season. He just didn't have the yeah. personnel he wanted, um, and I think probably by the end of the window they may well have the personnel to do that. But we'll see. But yeah, I th- I think Will Boyle is is just a he just fills a hole, doesn't he? In in the nicest possible sense, and that's absolutely fine with some signings. Yeah, he's really good in the air. He's better on the ground than Nabi Sar was by the looks of the stats, uh, and I think does a does a lot of the same same things as Nabi Sar. I think he's a a decent light for light replacement there. Uh, not quite as tall, but is has a better leap on him. So yeah, the diamond is interesting. The only I really like the diamond, except I don't think it leaves a natural place for Sorba Thomas. But I suppose that when you have a four four two diamonds. You you strikers tend to be split strikers, don't they? Yeah, Charlton played that way. Uh, but I think with I think with Thomas, he could be one of the two potentially for yeah, for some exactly. of the season. Um, but also, I think the thing you have to give Sorba credit for is wherever he's played, he has eventually got to grips with the role and and mm. flourished because he's you know he's played as a wing back, he's played right on a three, he's played up front in a two, and. Yeah, fair enough. There's a period of adjustment, but he's always one way or another got to grips with it. So I'd I'd sort of kind of back him to fit in one way or another. I think when we talk about the left hand side, that's a slightly different matter. But we'll we'll get yeah. to that. Yeah, I mean, before we move on from the centre backs, I think the last thing to say is, you know, Levi Cole will depart. In I think he's an excellent player. I was really surprised. I was I was gearing up to write a piece about how much they were going to miss Levi Colwell, mm. and then. And then when I actually looked at the stats, they they actually did fine without him last season. You know, they he was injured sort of January to March. They actually had their best run. If you look at, I know not everyone loves XG. If you look at XG, it's almost identical at both ends of the pitch, whether he started or not. And there's enough games that he missed that I think we can draw some conclusions from that. If you, if you just go on raw goals, they did concede more, but weirdly they scored almost exactly as many more um, when he was out of the side. I would suggest that both of those things are sort of random chance, as the XG would suggest. It's, it's random variance. But I think it's it's interesting that you can take a player of his quality out, and I think no one would argue that, you know, he, he is a much better player than, than Nabi Sarr. Is, is what I'm getting at. Mm. And and it's interesting that you could take Levi Colwell out of that side and, and put someone in who on paper was, was not as good and the whole thing just sort of kept ticking over just as well. And that's not a knock on Saar. He played well, but I think it sort of also speaks of how well drilled that, that system was that you can afford to lose maybe a key player in each area maybe not all at the same time but in, in any area and and the the thing keeps you know the machine keeps turning i think that was a real strength of towns last year mm-hmm. so i can understand why they've taken the decision that actually we don't think we're gonna miss having a player of, of colwell's quality in the back line next season because the evidence from last season is they probably won't yeah and i i think the other side to it was it, it's very very difficult to go and get a colwell replacement mm. basically because that that lad is is definitely destined to for England caps and you know we think he could be England captain one day he is he is that good so I don't think you can just go and get it it 
puts like an enormous weight of responsibility on the lad who follows Levi Colwell, doesn't yeah. it? Which I think, if you can avoid generating that, I think that's a worthwhile thing as well. Uh, just before we move on from centre-backs, Romney Critchlow going to Bradford. I really like that move. I think that really suits both parties. And he, he could... Who knows if he comes back and Town offer him a contract and they want to keep him long term or whether he, he goes off to past his new, but I think that's a very good move for, for everyone, really. Yeah, joining Kean Harrett there as well, who went out earlier in the window. I think uh, kissing, good news for both of them. Kissing the badges, Kean Harrett. <laughs> I think good news for both of them, I agree. I think Critch, though, probably we, we both think he's probably actually more of a League One standard player, but mm. it's obvious that Bradford, are, you know, that you look at how many players they've signed this window. Ten already. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Mm. So, you know, they've got a major revamp going underway. I think people, I don't particularly rate Mark Hughes as a manager, to be perfectly honest. But he obviously has a lot of connections and a lot of pull, a lot of sort of name value, um, which I think is worth a lot at that level. And I think I think it's a good move for Critch, though, because he's going to play, which is what he needs at this yeah. stage. I think I'd rather him play in, hopefully, at the top end of League 2 and playing regularly as he was at Swindon second, uh, first half of last season than sitting on the bench, top end of League 1, as he did with, with Plymouth in the second half of last season. And I think for, for Harrett as well, while we're on the, the topic of Bradford, he is a really good natural finisher like an excellent natural finisher I didn't see any of him really playing for Port Vale so I'd be interested to see how he's developed his his all-round game to be honest Mm. but I do feel like when you look at a player with Harrods sort of goal scoring level at underage level you just think he could have a season where he explodes here like he could he could (laughs) if if things sort of click for him you feel like he could go and score 20 goals he's he's one of those kinds of players or you could think that you know he's still got more learning to do it he'll score five it it, it could go either way but I think Bradford is a is a good place for him to be doing that yeah definitely I I think having watched Kieran Harrett a few times I think he's very good player, very exciting prospect, very natural finisher, but he, he needs a little bit more discipline and he needs a little bit, uh, his decision-making needs to sharpen up a bit. And I think there are only things that come from playing football, so he's gone somewhere to play football. So, yeah, but left-back then, this is a conversation, isn't it? Hmm, it is. Get ready for the next 20 minutes of the podcast here. Um, So they've got Harry Toffolo and Josh Ruffles, obviously. And those are two players that they that they like. Uh, but obviously, there's Harry Toffolo's contract situation, which we've sort of alluded to. I think we've we, we've almost shied away from talking about it at times. We have talked about it now and then, but at times because we're just like, well, let's see if it gets resolved. But we're now into approaching July, and there's been no real resolution on it. They've, they've tri- triggered the one year's extension, um, but I think everyone would like to get a longer term deal done but it seems like there is a a, a gap in the in the negotiations that they seem to have hit a bit of an an impasse there um on on whatever detail it is and you presume it's going to be monetary so that does i don't think it necessarily gives them a decision because i think town will be quite comfortable with the idea that they are either going to get a transfer fee for him this summer or they've got a year to try and find a replacement what's your take on the situation though Dave I think Harry Toffolo's worth to Huddersfield Town is not just measured in playing time that's the issue Um, he's obviously I said to you jokingly yesterday he is the man that you get to do all the things that Hoggy refuses to Um, 
and he is a leader at that club on and off the pitch. Um, a lot of the things he did around Daz last season, as we know, were, were very admirable. The problem is that it's a real tricky situation because I think we, we were talking about it and you can totally see the sense from both sides. You can see Harry Toffolo's point that he wants to be paid a level of money he feels is suitable for the amount of work he puts in. Huddersfield Town don't want to break their wage structure for him. I completely get that. Do you let him play and run that contract down for a year knowing Harry Toffolo's character? And let's be honest, realistically, Harry Toffolo's levels won't drop because he's just not that sort of down tools player. He isn't. So you can trust him for the season is what I mean. Yeah. Do you try and get a fee now? I I don't know. I, I think... I wouldn't actively go seek him one. No, to be honest. No, I wouldn't. I I would be more of a mind to see just just see how the summer goes, and hopefully he's part of your squad come day one of next season, and then just see where we are come January, and do a little bit of succession planning maybe in terms of thinking about is Josh Ruffles just the one you want to jump up and take that slot? Or do you want to go out and recruit? Is there anyone else you want to have a look at? You know, January is your last chance to potentially get a fee for him. Do you do you go out that way and, and look that way? I I think just buy yourself some time. That's that's the that's the thing. Just buy that time. And yeah, I certainly wouldn't be going out there looking to shift him this summer. Uh, not actively. No, not at all. That's it. And I, I think everyone would would like him to stay. And 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 I don't just mean him and the club by that. I mean fans and you and I as well because you know we like talking to him we like him as a personality we like him as a player you know we're 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 big fans you know in this job you're not necessarily a fan of the team but you do become a fan of individuals and he's absolutely Mm. an individual that that we are a fan of and um I think it would be a shame if they can't get that sorted but you know I've not been like this with every situation but I'm with you I think I I completely understand both sides of the of the equation on this one and mm. you know I can understand why you you know that they they wouldn't want to break that wage structure for him when Josh Ruffles is sitting right there barely playing and they like him and think he could is capable Josh, of playing more Josh Ruffles is a good player you know he's yeah. he's only been able to cameo for town because he's playing he's playing behind the bionic man you know Harry Toffolo is very very rarely injured and very very rarely misses a game so it's not Josh Ruffles's fault that they haven't really seen much of him um, but the other thing is I think and we, I'm, I'm going to be tacked for around this because to criticise Toffolo is to it, it, you know is to offend some fans I know but he didn't have his best season by any stretch last season he he was really good the last 10 games 10 or 12 games mm-hmm. um but he he was struggling early in the season he he'd had covid he did have covid yeah he took a long while to get up to speed but when he was up to speed i think he struggled as a wing back for a while as well you know um tactically that system required him to play in a a, a different way and he had one or two performances that were really un harry toffolo like i mean that reading away performance he was all over the shop so I I also think that you know nobody is irreplaceable are they that's the thing it's not like we're talking about we're going to talk about someone else in a minute in midfield who we both think is irreplaceable in terms of like for like terms whereas I do think with Toffolo from the club's point of view that ultimately even if they don't feel like Ruffles is the way forward 
I, I do think Toffolo is replaceable ultimately. He is, but I think I think he would be one of the biggest losses they could have this summer, to be honest, because they've been expecting, you know, they've had a succession plan for Lewis O'Brien. I'm sure this plan has had to change due to availability, etc. But, you know, Lee Bromby has said they've gone into each of these this summer and last summer, and he didn't name him, but it was obviously who he was talking about, <clears throat> basically going, well, who are we going to sign if Lewis goes? I, I'm sure they have looked at that with Harry Toffolo as well, given his contract situation. But I think the the issue is that as it stands, they need to sign maybe you know two, three, four players extra for the squad. If he goes, then you're suddenly going from we want to sign some midfielders and a winger to maybe a striker if there's someone suitable. To then okay, well we need we've lost. Two of our fullbacks. We lost two of our centre backs. We're probably going to lose one of our midfielders. We still need those extra midfielders. We still need those extra wingers. It, it's weird how just that one extra departure would would make it feel very different. It would make mm. it feel like it had shifted from we need a few reinforcements in attack to we are rebuilding a third of this squad. Um, so, I think, I think it. You know, if he's happy to stay another year, and you know, as you say, I think he's he's professional enough and likes it enough at the club that he would do a job even if he didn't attract any interest this summer. And then, you know, I think he would, if he did want to leave at the end of that, I think he would probably go on a free with with lessons and thanks kind of thing. I th- it, I guess it depends what other options are out there for him this summer, doesn't it? You know, if anyone's interested enough to to make a bid, and whether it would be a bid that that town would would accept, but. Or if uh, anyone's tapping him up for next summer and saying, if you're on a three, we're definitely yeah. going to have you. I, the other thing I think is we have a slight obsession in this country that doesn't exist elsewhere in football with uh, captains and leaders. I think losing, potentially losing all three of last season's vice-captains, which would be Toffolo, O'Brien and Campbell, is reasonably significant because you do want leaders in the dressing room. And I think you have named leaders who are expected to get on and then you have unnamed ones the likes of a you know Pearson and Lees who are leading by example and getting involved where they can but I don't think Town would want to lose those three vice captains in one window Mm. if I'm honest Uh, it does change the shape of the squad like you said yeah I mean they're not short on leaders as you say they've got Pearson Boyle was captain at Cheltenham Lees was captain at Sheffield Wednesday um, for a spell you know they they do have still have leaders in that dressing room, but yeah, I, I, th- I think it's his personality more than anything. You know, you talk about the, the personality of the squad, the good vibes in the dressing room, the good atmosphere, everyone enjoying going into work. And if Harry Toffolo is anything on the training pitch, like he is like behind the scenes, uh, like he's like in press conferences, in interviews, on social media, then he's going to be you know right in the middle of that, the heart and soul of that. So, you know, we'll just have to see how it goes, I, I, I think. And at this stage, as I say, there's, there's been, there were slight murmurs early in the window, which I suspect is agent putting, the, putting it out there, trying to drum up some interest. Um, but we'll see how it goes on that one. Into central midfield, which conversely to the centre-back, centre-back was the position where they'd lost the most minutes and the one we were least concerned about. Midfield is the one where they've retained the most minutes, but we feel like they are most in need of recruits. Yeah. Um, so they've lost Carolite and Alex Vallejo, both barely played last season, still at the club, obviously, as it stands. Lewis O'Brien, Jonathan Hogg, John Russell and, and Scott High, who all played well over a, a thousand minutes each last year. O'Brien over 4,000, Hogg over 3,000. 3, so mm. they've... <laughs> 
they've as it stands, they've got the same midfield options as last year, minus if you want to call Danel Sonani a midfielder. But you and I just can't escape the conclusion that that is the area where they most need recruits this summer as well if they're going to improve that attack. Yeah, Hoggy, I think, as I said, is now half a defender in truth. So I'm not sure he gets he gets as many minutes in midfield next season. John Russell, I'm not going to go have the John Russell conversation again because we just get in trouble. But I think he, um, as as good as he is, I think you need other options and other ways to play. Scott High is a project me and you would both very much stick with. We like Scott High. But at the same time, I don't think either of us think he could play 46 games next season in the yeah, first team. Um, and then you've got the Lewis problem because I think if, you know, like I said, I, th- I think ultimately, whatever you think of Toffolo, he is replaceable. I don't think Town can replace Lewis O'Brien with, with one player who comes in and does everything Lewis does. I think if you lose Lewis you have to replace him in the squad with two players who can cover everything he did and you have to change the way you set your midfield up a little bit as well. So that is that is the big conundrum this summer for me. Yeah, and I think we've had this discussion before. I feel like if, again, if you were building a, from scratch, a Carlos Corporan side from the ground up, I mean, obviously you'd have Lewis O'Brien because every championship club would have mm. Lewis O'Brien. But I think in terms of the style of player and what he does and particularly sort of what he does uh, on the ball with his, his in the final third, you, you might you, he might go for a different kind of player. So I think as he, I'm not saying that he wouldn't be a big loss. He would be a big loss to any championship mm. side. He's one of the best players in this division. But I think stylistically there's an opportunity to do something different and maybe try and bring a different dimension mm. to the side. Yeah. Obviously, they would miss his, his tackling enormously. They would miss his dribbling enormously. But I feel like Corbran would quite like to have a more of a ball player, someone who's a bit a bit better with their passing, a bit tidier with the passing, a bit more incisive with their passing in the final third. And someone who gets into the box to, to score goals, which which is the big thing, I think, in central midfield recruitment. Because if you look at the options they've got, you know, O'Brien, Hogg, Russell, High, none of them are players who you are going to back to score five goals a season, let alone six to ten, which I think is is what they need. And I said this on the live show last week, so apologies for repeating myself, but, you know, for all Giannino Bakuna drove me mad, he did offer that. And I think that is one of the things that they were lacking last year and one of the reasons that their attacking play maybe wasn't as good as it was, um, maybe wasn't as good as it could have been. So I think there is an opportunity there to look at a different profile of player. And of course, if O'Brien did go, it would be a pretty hefty fee. Neither of us would expect all of that money to be reinvested, but it would give them mm. a bit of wiggle room to to look at, at spending fees on players. And, you know, they've, they've been linked with Jack Rudoni from Wimbledon mm. and you know they've who's, reportedly who's had a, good a player very different but who's a good player yeah well I'll talk about him in a moment but but he you know they've had a reportedly 1 million pound bid knocked back for him which suggests that they are you know that they do have a bit of money to spend obviously Pippa would be going for a fee as well so while I'm not expecting them to spend you know 15 million quid we might see them spend you know a few million which is mm. you know I think a lot of fans will be happy to hear that just as a matter of principle but yeah, I, I think 
the reason we're sort of being more sort of measured on O'Brien than we maybe are on Toffler is just because we've been expecting him to go for mm. nigh on two years now. <laughs> so it's not, you know, it's not a surprise that there is interest in him. Yeah, and, uh, you know, there are so many aspects of his game that are ready for the Premier League. The thing is, to talk about this from a slightly different angle, there is a world where he ends up staying because we thought he's going to go in the last couple of windows and he hasn't and who knows who knows what are the sort of limitations of of why that keeps happening but there is a world where he he stays even if he stays I still think Carlos Corbran is going to look at his position and say right okay this is the season Lewis where you've got to up your showpiece that's you've you've got to get more goals you've got to get more assists because he he gets in really good positions, but as you said, his passing is is often not sharp enough, not incisive enough, and his shooting can be pretty pretty bad, shall we say? So, yeah, I I think even if Lewis stays, they they will want him to evolve into that sort of player because it is the Huddersfield Town problem. They don't get enough goals from midfield, and when you don't get enough goals from midfield, it does leave your options elsewhere pretty stark they were extremely fortunate last season that they got so many goals from defence and that that plugged the gap really um, but yeah that is the next natural stage of, of evolution and to expand a little bit further you know if you look across all football everything bleeds down slowly strikers are becoming less and less where you get your goals from <laughs> it's, it's becoming more and more important to get your goals from midfield so I think they need, as you said, I think they need a, a real... Like, I don't want to say a Carolighting type because I think Carroll, as good as he was, there was also a couple of areas where he, he wasn't great. And let's be honest, you, you couldn't trust him fitness-wise totally for a full season. So, yeah, but I, I just think you need two players so that you can set up in two different ways because there's some, there's some games where you want that ability to sort of sit in the middle third and just get through the sheer amount of groundwork that Lewis does and then there's other games where you want to be much more on the front foot and look forward with every pass and that sort of thing and that's why I think it's very very difficult to just go okay here is our Lewis O'Brien replacement yeah agreed I think there's it's interesting because I think a few comments that Carlos Corbran and a few decisions that Carlos Corbran made last season, I don't think he particularly likes playing Hogg and Russell together yeah. in midfield. Yeah, I agree. Definitely, definitely not as a two, and I think mm. not even really as a three, which I think is part of the reason we saw Hogg drop back into into it, a back it, three last season it makes towards it, the end. It, it's, the problem is with that midfield is the only way you can set up to play against the opposition is to have them both play really deep because if the opposition put a couple of runners against them to turn them, they're, they're done for. They're going to leave a load of yeah. gaps either behind or, or in front of them. So I completely get that. For me, I am at the point where I think it's one or the other and that's why I think yeah. with Hoggy, you're probably looking at you know half to two-thirds of defender next season exactly the point i was going to make which is although they've retained those numbers in central midfield if you're not going to play you know if you've got four options currently and two of them you're not going to play mm-hmm. together then you're looking very limited i i think this is a hunch i think carlos might see john russell as a number six longer term mm-hmm. rather than a number eight um 
I think largely because of the mobility issues, but also partly because of his, you know, he can quarterback. He's got that that exceptional passing range and the composure. He does have all the skill set you want from that number six. He just, apart from, he just needs to switch on a bit more defensively at times. But I think in terms of the profile player, he, he absolutely fits that position to a T. But again, if you're now, con- you know, he played as an eight a lot last season. If you're now considering him a six and Jonathan Hogg a six, you've only really got O'Brien and, and High for those two number eight roles as it stands. And, you know, I'd, as much as we're, as you said, as much as we're both fans of Scott High, I don't think either of us would start him from day one and look to play him 46 games of the season. O'Brien, we're not sure about his future. Holmes can play that position as well, but Carlos generally doesn't prefer him there. So, yeah, you are looking at, I think, potentially minimum two signings um, for central midfield. Rudoni, as I say, is one of the names that's been linked from Wimbledon. Uh, I did a scouting piece on him yesterday. He, he looks... He, he he ticks a lot of the boxes Danal Sanani did. He scored 12 goals for a poor team in League One last year, got five assists as well. Mm. The the thing that stands out is his timing into the box. You know, I, I actually read one of our other sites, Bristol Live, did a, uh, spoke to someone who covers Wimbledon because they've been linked with him as well, Bristol City. And when I wrote my scouting piece, I avoided using Frank Lampard's name because, you know, you, you don't use that lightly. And then the Wimbledon reporter has said he's Lampard-esque with his runs into the box. Mm. So there you go. He's left-footed, uh, six foot one. He's actually not brilliant in the air, but he does score a lot of headers because his positioning and his runs are so good. Uh, and considering, you know, he's played left and right, he's played central midfield. I think he's mostly an attacking midfielder, probably looking at his skill set. But He's also not a slouch defensively. His tackling stats are pretty good for, for someone who mostly operates in the final third. Um, when he does play out wide, he's not a crosser. I think it's fair to say uh, his cross completion rates and the number of times he tries to cross are are very low. But he's a different kind of player. He's, he's more incisive and more about... And as I say, those runs into the box are just something that Town haven't had. So obviously nothing done yet. There's a lot of competition and... You know, as I say, the reports are that that first bid has been knocked back, so there would be work to be done there. But I think he looks like an interesting one. Yeah, very much so. He's he's a, he's a good player, good prospect, and does uh, a lot of the things. He's that only Town... twenty-one. I didn't mention. Yeah, yeah. Uh, he does a lot of the things that Town don't do. That's that's the thing. So, yeah, ticks an awful lot of boxes. The other side to all of this is Etienne Kamara, who we think is is likely to be given a chance at some point, certainly in pre-season, to, to see what he can do in midfield. He is likely going to be a squad option next season, isn't he? He was training with the first team late last season, yeah. And, you know, you and I have both had an eye on him for the B team for over the last couple of seasons. We like him. Another very tall midfielder, very combative, probably a bit too combative at times. <laughs> like John Russell, he's, he's very difficult to get off the ball. Maybe his his passing range is is not at that level of John Russell, but he he brings an awful lot to the game. Uh, obviously, he's he's very raw. He's he's not played really much first team football at all. Um, but he's he's a player that they like internally, and I think could play either those six or or eight roles. Really, he's mostly played as six for for the B team. But I wouldn't be that surprised if, like Scott High, they then look to convert him into more of a box to box player at, at senior level. Yeah, definitely. I, I I think the reason I mention him is because I think we both think he's definitely going to be in that squad mix. So I think the the position that is possibly at peril there is maybe Scott High um, doing 
you know, Kamara could be the one who basically leapfrogs high. Um, he is left-footed, though, so mm. he, he might be looking at playing on, on Lewis's side, perhaps. Mm. But I, I think you're right. I think, I think what ultimately this whole conversation has come down to is we both think they need a couple, realistically. Maybe, I think, I think that might be one of the Premier League loans you look to do. We know yes. they've been interested in McAtee. I think that's a very complicated situation because I, I I think by the sound of it, City have one plan for him, but I, I, I'm not necessarily sure he, he necessarily wants to go along with that plan. I think he wants to play, so who knows what's going to happen with that but, over the summer. Yeah, we're taking that from the fact that there's been conflicting reports around him mm. this year. So if you look at what the Athletic are saying about him, for instance, Sam Lee, their City correspondent, he's saying that City want to keep him internal. <laughs> and then if you look at Alan Nixon, who is the Suns transfer guru, very well connected with agents, he is saying that he wants to speak to Huddersfield Town, he will be speaking to Huddersfield Town. That suggests that there is a bit of a a difference of opinion on, on what is mm. best doing with him next year. I would say with, with City's loan policy, if you look at what they do with their very, very best players, Cole Palmer and Phil Foden, etc., they tend to keep them close to Pep Guardiola they keep them in the squad rather than send them out on loan and then when they do send players out on loan they aren't like Chelsea who will have players all around the EFL generally speaking they tend to send players within the city group Mm. um, or to you know to the highest bidder essentially uh, in terms of the the wage uh, compensation so town are interested but there is work they would need to do, and mm. it is a, you know, that we mentioned several things there that might be obstacles. It yeah. might be a difficult one to get done, to be yeah. honest. There, there is also Premier League interest as well, which I think has has pretty much been confirmed, and um, some of that interest is Leeds just and up, Brighton. Yeah, some of that interest is just up the road, and I, I keep looking at Brighton and having spoken to a few people there they do they do certainly like him and Brighton have a player that Manchester City are fairly desperate to buy so it, it feels complicated that one but it, it feels like if they don't go for James McAtee if that doesn't come off then it feels like that is definitely the area where they may be looking to no. do one of those Premier League loans so if they and I I, I I think that's the right way to go. I mean, look at the impact mm. that James Garner has had at Nottingham Forest. You know, it's it's it, it is where you try and get your quality in, isn't it? Yeah, exactly. You know, Town have had success with that position before as well with Smith Rowe and and Chalibur. Um So, yeah, I, I I would be quite I'd be quite happy with a you know a, a project signing mm. like a and I think Rodoni would play, but you know he is a young player who they would need to give some development to. Um, and a loan signing, I think that would that would fill those those gaps quite nicely, to be honest. And mm. I suspect if they can't get McAtee done, then it'll be if they're not already, then onto the next name on the list. I'm sure they've they've got a mm. list of youngsters that they'll then move on to. But you know, I think the interest in McAtee sort of tells you that a lot of clubs are interested in him. And they want his skill set in their side, and you know, if if that's the case, then Town would want to make sure that it's definitely not going to happen before they you know, before they move on to next targets, which is a point that I think a lot of people might need to be aware of this year. Cause, and to be fair, whenever I've seen on Twitter, someone going, Oh, they've only made one sign in. A lot of people are shouting them down going, all right, calm down. It's only June. Obviously there will become, there may come a point where that tips because I think this summer they are 
people are going to have to be a bit more patient and the club are going to have to be a bit more patient with the transfers they get in the door. Cosy said this at the live show last week and I thought thought it was very astute because, uh, frankly, it's easier to get defenders in, particularly defenders who are free agents. It's much, much harder to recruit for those attacking positions because... You know, you, you when you're recruiting defenders, you're looking for specific skill sets and every club has different sort of criteria for what they want from their defenders. But when it comes to attacking players, everyone sort of wants roughly the same things. Are they going to create goals? Are they going to score goals? And that makes the competition very difficult. You've also seen the last couple of years since COVID hit and particularly with a, another congested season coming up with the World Cup, uh, slap bang in the middle of the season, a lot of Premier League clubs were holding on to their youngsters until late in the window because they wanted to see what they needed in the squad first mm-hmm. and then they'd send them out last minute. So for a variety of reasons, I think they might need to be a, b- a bit patient this summer. Yeah, definitely. Shall we move on to wide areas? Yeah, Sober Thomas, right wing, sorted. Um, <laughs> yeah. I, I, the, the thing is, I can't. Do you know what? I'm genuinely undecided as to whether their wide options are quite good or whether they definitely need to recruit. <laughs> yeah, flip, exactly. I keep flipping between the two. Um, I, I think one thing I will say is I don't expect Rolando Aaron's to feature any more than he has done <laughs> over <laughs> since since joining. So I don't think he's in the bu- in the bunch. He's a Jamaica international, Dave. Have some respect. It, um, well, I, I just don't think Corbyn likes him at this point. There have been points no. where he's been fully fit and he's still been nowhere near the squad, shall we say. Yeah, exactly. But, yeah, I'm with you. The, the, I've got my tactics board here and this is how I keep track of, of who's in what position. And there's a lot of players on those wings. But I think, apart from Sorba Thomas, there's a question mark on all of them. Yeah. So you've got... Dwayne Holmes there, who I think is a very, very good utility player, but isn't, you know, is, is you want him as a utility player. I think he starts a lot of games, but not necessarily always in the same position. And then on the other side, Josh Caroma, and then behind him, I've got Pat Jones and Rolando Ahrens. Mm. So there's, and Aaron Rowe as well, who I've got in the right back slot here. So they've got a lot of... They've got a lot of options, but there's a question mark on all of them except Silver mm-hmm. Thomas. I think you and I both have a mind that Josh Gromer could come good again this season. Yeah. Uh, with a full preseason under his belt. He had some difficulties last year. I think some of that was probably confidence-based as much as anything else. So if they can get him right and they can get him informed, then I don't think either of us would be surprised if he got firing again. By the same token, I don't think either of us would be surprised if he had a, a similar season again and, and wasn't terribly effective. So, you know, do you really want to be going into the season with 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 those as your options on the left wing? Dwayne Holmes, who isn't particularly a left winger. Josh Gromer, who you can't bank on for form. Rolando Ahrens, who, you know, has played eight minutes over the past 12 months. And, and Pat Jones, who is very raw and, and untested. I think probably not. I think if you can get a signing in the door... Andrew Doney might well be this, to be fair, but if they got that done. But a player that could do what Danel Sinani did and what Dwayne Holmes does and is mm-hmm. capable of playing three, four positions, that might make us feel a bit better rather than necessarily going out and buying a first-choice left winger. Yeah. I, 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 Pat Jones is a great player, but, you know, physically he's not particularly imposing, shall we say, at this point. And 
I put him in the Kamara bracket in that I I hope the plan is this season to get him in a few match day squads and potentially get him a few minutes on the pitch. But I just can't see a world where he plays, you know, even like 20, 25 games. I don't think Rolando Aarons is the answer because I just I just don't think Corbin likes him. And, and let's be honest, there is no evidence at this point that his body can sustain a full season's worth of football anyway. So then on the left, you've got two players who, like you say, they're half a winger. <laughs> and mm. I don't think that is a great situation. And I, I, I mean, I, I would be... We're not talking about strikers yet, but I would be sorely tempted to potentially look at bumping Josh Caroma into the centre long term this season. So mm. it, it does it feel like they need to recruit someone that side. And I would like to see them recruit an actual winger, a proper chalk on the boots style winger. Because um, I, I think, like even Sorber, I don't think is that particularly. I think he was at one spell, but now he's just developed his all-round game and he just gives you an awful lot more than that. So I would like to see a slightly old-fashioned crosses into the box, uh, you know, overlaps for Toffolo type Wideman out there really yeah I think if I was looking at these options and thinking town are you know plotting to finish mid mid table next season I think I'd be fine with those options but we're talking about a team that wants to push for promotion again is yes. the thing and, and we're looking at areas where they need recruitment and I think we're quite we're quite happy with the back line the goalkeepers the number six but those number eights in the left wing are the areas where you look at it and you think, yeah, they 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 could do with an upgrade there if they want to stay at that level. Because you know they finished third last season with with effectively what they had, probably the biggest miss in the squad is Sonane. But you know, if you don't try and move forward in football, you're standing still, aren't you? Mm. And so I think if they want to evolve, those are the issues where you look and you think there's that's where the the weaknesses are central mid, an attacking midfielder in central midfield and, and a left winger because they didn't really have a first choice left winger no. throughout last season so no i th- i think also as well to flip it over to the other side i think you need uh, some natural cover for sorba i th- i think um yeah there's there's nobody in that squad that does what sorba thomas does and i don't think you can just get a player who you can just lift out and replace but if Sorba got a long-term injury, you're looking at, again, playing somebody out of position over there realistically or looking at... I mean, I think Brahima Diara was playing right for Harrogate That's quite, true. quite That's a true. bit last season. So you could... Could look to bring him in, but again, that's. I'm glad you mentioned him. Actually, he is an option for that attack, attack-minded central midfielder mm. who we 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 didn't really talk about. But yeah, he didn't play a huge amount at Harrogate last year, but he was injured for for a spell. But and they did love him. The fa- the fans really. Well, if he's you an look, exciting player, isn't he? Yeah, you look online. The fans absolutely uh, loved him. Like I was, I was looking through the the reaction to Osterfield and Headley going over there. And and half of the tweets are no Diara crying face emoji. <laughs> he's just he's a he brings a level of excitement and verve that you just don't mm. see in League Two, doesn't he? So I can understand that. Um, when we've seen him play for the B team, I think we we were probably he's really eye catching when we yeah. saw him a couple of years ago. I don't think he was brilliant when we saw him play last season most of the time, but. He has played, they have been playing him in a lot of different positions. I think they, mm. they, they try to sort of develop his all-round game, I think is the reason for that, rather than try to convert him. I think his future is very definitely as a an attack-minded midfielder or, mm. um, you know, that sort of inverted winger-type role. But 
Yeah, he, he's an interesting one to look at in pre-season, I think. They had a look at him last year as well. Uh, I remember him playing at Southport and town fans having the same reaction uh, to him. Everyone going, oh, <laughs> where's, where's this lad come from? Because um, he is, you know, he does exciting things. Not all of it comes off, but he is a very, very exciting player to watch. Um, he's, and, uh, you know, he's never seen a defender he hasn't wanted to nutmeg, has he? That's the thing. Yeah, exactly. So, yeah, he, he's an option they might look at in pre-season, one to keep an eye on. I, but again, I don't think they have that natural cover on the right-hand side. I, th- I think Aaron Rowe yeah. is obviously in the conversation there, and Aaron Rowe is... Uh, like, we really like Aaron Rowe again, but it's that classic thing of we just have no idea if Carlos Corbrand does, because even when he was fully fit towards the end of last season, he didn't fit feel like he was close to the first team squad so yeah that's possibly another area that I I think you're right like the midfield and the left wing are the priorities but then I think that comes into the mix a little bit with with strikers Mm -hmm. yeah so on to the strikers then I mean they've got Danny Ward Jordan Rhodes two proven options I think Corbran was more and more impressed with Jordan Rhodes as the season went on from what he said at the press conference before the player final said when he first when Jordan Rhodes first came into the club he thought oh he's really good at finishing in the box uh, and the implication there was and not much else but he said that over the second half of the season he's really seen him develop his all round game we've talked about this endlessly really you know the the clever little things he does to distract defenders for instance he's he's really canny at that kind of stuff. And Danny Ward, you know, we, we're full of praise for Danny Ward on this podcast, as you know. I think tactically, particularly in that spell, sort of January to March, was possibly town's most important player. Tactically, the, the, as I said last week, Lewis O'Brien does the work of two players off the ball. And at times last season, Danny Ward was doing the work of two players on the ball. Mm. So important. But for all that said, they are both, you know, 31 plus, 31, 32 and both of them have had injury issues over the past couple of seasons. You would hope that's that's behind them, but I think there there might be a vacancy there. This is this is the annoying thing: is the ideal thing you want for that position. I think for that third striker would be like a twenty two, twenty three year old who's on his way up and ready for a chance at the championship. The issue is that that kind of player does not exist for this role because if you sign them they will want to play they are not going to want to move to the championship to sit on the bench so it's a very difficult position to do your succession planning for I think you can do it in defense you can do it in midfield up front I'm not sure it's quite as as easy to to get done because anyone half decent is gonna get better offers to where they'll actually play somewhere else so it's a tricky one to recruit for isn't it yeah very much so I'm not sure Kieran Phillips is anywhere near ready um, I, th- I think Jordan, like, I don't think Danny Ward scores the goal against Luton. It's the thing. I think that that's one of those goals that you need a Jordan Rhodes to score. But there's lots of Danny Ward moments that Jordan Rhodes can't replicate. So I think the other side is that you you do struggle with them as a two just because they are very radically different players. So not only is they've got the option of sort of recruiting for that third position but also like depending how you play there's better options ahead it's just it's very difficult to even get a loan in as as Meepo found last season yeah because clubs don't want to loan you a player 
who they think is going to get like 8 to 15 minutes at the end of every other game because um, if you're loaning a player out you're loading them out to, to be developed and, and be brought on so it is difficult the, the, the huddling story was interesting from the point of view of it was very, very... Car Huddling is a very, very different type of striker to what they have. Completely different. And I know, potentially, it may happen, it may not happen. Who knows? But he, if he came in for the B team, it wouldn't surprise me to see them try and John Russell him a bit and try and graduate him in sort of early in the new year. But it is a very, very difficult one. As I said, I think Harrett is ahead of Phillips... And Harrett has yeah. gone out on loan to to Bradford, so yeah, it it is a it is a bit of a dilemma to solve that one. I wonder if it might just be one that they look at and think, look, if we can, if we get an opportunity mm. here, we'll go for it. But we're not desperate. I think it is a a nice to have rather than a must have for this window. Mm. To be honest, I think those. Those other areas, central midfield, left wing, are, are more pressing for me. I think you're going to get more uplift out of making signings for those positions than you're likely to get by signing another centre forward. It also depends what the tactical plans are, because as you say, you know, if if he wants that option to play a front two more often, then then maybe it does become a priority because you can't, you know, you've only got two. <laughs> plus, but that, plus that's Phillips, why so. I I I think this season, you know, like. You, Town have got the same problem with Josh Gromer they've got with Harry Toffler at the moment in that he hasn't signed. So they have to make a decision on him. But that is why I would I would genuinely be sorely tempted this season to perhaps move him central and have him in that mix because I think I, I think Karoma could play in a two with Ward and he could play in a two with Rhodes. I think he could play off both players. So... Maybe that is the answer there, but then that does take one option completely out of that left wing mix, and that means you definitely have to recruit there. If you were playing a front two, you wouldn't necessarily need a left winger, though. Is the thing? Yeah, true. But I, I if you play that, but then four, where does Silver Thomas play? <laughs> yeah, but if you play that four four two with the diamond. I think you do, if you have Sorber Thomas one side, I think you you definitely, I think you need to play with proper wingers. That's that's the thing, if you go that mm. way. Who knows, though, like you say, roll on pre-season. Right, I think that's about it, Dave. Is there anything else to add? Uh, just Illmatic by Naz. Just hasn't aged a day. Hasn't aged a day. You have a book out, don't you? Yes, Silver Linings, Bobby Robson's England. Get it bought for your summer holidays. An excellent tip. I, do you know what? I bought it when it came out, and I've not read it yet. And I'm going to take it on holiday, and I'm going to I'm going to get it done. Magic. I think that is us done. Thank you for listening, everyone. I'm not sure when when we're going to be back. As I say, I think it's probably just going to be as and when we have a podcast worth of things to talk about. Really, uh, we'll have the fixtures out on Thursday morning. If you're not, if you're listening to it before then, I mean, even if you are listening to it after then, we still will have had the fixtures out on Thursday morning. So you're not going to get us on that technicality. Try as you might, but. Um, yeah, we'll have plenty for you on the website, examinalive.co.uk. Keep your eyes on our Twitters. I'm at Stephen Chicken. David's at David Hartrick. We'll see you next time. Goodbye. See you there.